This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Team Stripes Podcast. You're listening to episode number 16 where we interview QMJHL linesman Matt Hicks. Before we get to that though, I just want to say thank you for all the support you guys have given us out there. It's really appreciated. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for lots of great social media giveaways. We give away gift cards, whistles, you name it, so be sure to follow us. And without further ado, here is the Matt Hicks interview. Matt, welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, just to give uh, our listeners a little bit of a background on Matt, uh, Matt is quite the accomplished linesman. He's uh, currently working in the Quebec Major Junior League. He works the CIS uh, as well as some junior leagues here. Um, so, he's currently uh, just finished uh, the QMJHL playoffs where he worked the President's Cup, which is the league finals. He's also got the chance to work CIS Nationals as well as the World Junior Aid Challenge. So pretty cool resume for this year. And uh, like I say, Matt, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm wondering if you could maybe talk about, you know, how you got started with uh, refereeing, first and foremost. Uh, truthfully, a bit of a funny story. Uh, I was playing nets um, at the time, which my dad wasn't all that impressed with because goalie gear is expensive. And uh, I was playing Bantam. A uh, guy came down, took a slap shot from, like, top of the circle hash mark area. Uh, it was going to beat me high gloves, so I kind of turned my elbow. Uh, when I did that, my elbow pad on my chest protector sort of slipped, puck in the elbow, shattered my elbow to the hospital, draining the swelling, all that stuff. So that was the end of that season. I go back next season for tryouts. And uh, anyways, I get in the truck after with Dad and, you know, dad being a, a hockey parent uh, always gave me a couple things he thought I did well and some stuff he thought I could, uh, you know, improve on. And uh, we were in the truck and uh, I didn't have a very good tryout. Uh, and he looked at me and he just said, uh, you don't look the same out there. And I said, well, dad, uh, I'm scared of the puck. And he goes, well, that's not very good as a goaltender, is it? I was like, nope, it's not. <laughs> And he was like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to play house league or what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I don't really know. And this was when I, uh, I was in grade nine that year. So however old you are, 15, I think. And uh, so I'm getting at the, the age where it's dad, can I have 20 bucks to do this? Can I have 20 bucks to do that? I want to take this girl to a movie. Can I have 20 bucks to do this? So he kind of pushed me actually towards uh, officiating hockey. He said, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go referee and make some of your own money? And uh, truthfully, that's why I started uh, for my 12 bucks doing the lines on a Pee Wee House game. And uh, unfortunately, it's still a problem in minor hockey today. So if there's any kids listening, uh, take this seriously. Um, people just think if they've been assigned to work a minor hockey game, if they decide an hour before that they don't want to go and do the game, they just don't show up. And uh, it's, it's a real problem, um, you know. There's only three, maybe four officials, and we're all needed. So um, I got a lot of opportunity that way. 
because guys just wouldn't show up. I would be working a peewee game and, uh, you know, the crew for the Bantam game, one guy wouldn't show up. And I just had to happen to be physically the biggest kid in the room. And it was like, you're coming with us. So I was like, okay. Um, there's a lot of trial by fire. Uh, and I happened to uh, kind of hold my own when I got put into some situations uh, that I probably shouldn't have been in. Uh, I have uh, the minor hockey assigner at the time, Luke Richard, uh, did a lot for me in my career early on. Um, kind of identified maybe that I had a little bit of natural talent and um, a, a real desire to get better. So uh, Luke pushed me big time. So I kind of climbed the minor hockey ranks um, fairly quickly. Again, uh, because I got lucky that I was, you know, physically the biggest kid in the room uh, at times. And then I remember I worked my first midget AAA game uh, in grade 12. Uh, you know, I'm out on the ice with all my buddies, uh, girls in the stands, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. That's when a couple guys, uh, you know, veteran guys in the Quebec League uh, that would uh, still are mentors of mine uh, through my career kind of approached me and were like, Matt, like, do you like refereeing hockey? And I was like, yeah, I, I do like refereeing hockey. And they were like, well, listen, like you have an opportunity here potentially to do some things. Um, but there's three tools um, that an official needs uh, that are within your control that you need to, uh, to really look after. First thing is skating ability. Um, anybody that knows me, I'm not the smoothest skater in the world. Uh, it doesn't look great, but it's something that uh, I still continue to work on. Second thing is rule knowledge. Uh, you know, uh, we're, uh, we're expected to do, to do a job, and we're expected to know the rules. And, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but uh, a rules mistake can, uh, can really cost you, and it's truthfully unacceptable. So you got to know your rules. And um, the third aspect is fitness. Um, you know, now with the players that are, uh, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, uh, we're expected as officials to be, you know, in at least as good of shape as the players um, that are playing that game. If you miss a call late in the game because you weren't in position, and the reason you weren't in position is because you were too out of shape to get there, unacceptable. It's a good way to, uh, you know, a good way to get yourself cut from that league or, whatever. So fitness is very, very important. Uh, so those were the three things that the guys said. And, uh, you know, I still, uh, even today, uh, try to work on those three things because there's a lot of stuff that's out of your control in officiating. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of things that are in your control and those three things, uh, you know, you're in a hundred percent control of. So, uh, they're important to, uh, important to work on, uh, you know, every day off season in season, um, you know, browse through your rule book, um, keep yourself in shape, watch what you eat, and, uh, you know, always work on your skating. So, anyways, that's kind of how I got started. Hired to the Quebec League when I was 20. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been uh, – that last year was my seventh season in the league, so – No, and uh, I know you've put together quite the impressive career. And before we switch to – maybe some of the highlights of your time in the, the QMJHL and other uh, leagues. When you talk about fitness, I mean, what type of fitness routine are you putting in in the off season? I'm sure we have a lot of listeners out there 
that are wondering how can I improve my fitness? I mean, what does your uh, summer regimen look like? Um, I, I like to be in the gym. I'm fortunate. Uh, I'm somebody that enjoys going to the gym. Uh, you know, even if I didn't referee hockey, I would probably still be in the gym. So uh, that part's easy for me. Um, right now I'm training with a uh, guy, Jesse Markey. I'm sure a lot of people listening know him. Um, he was down in Cincinnati this year working uh, the American Hockey League, the East Coast League. You know, we train four or five days a week, um, skating, uh, core strength and leg strength, very important. So uh, we focus on that a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of um, a lot of dynamic stuff. So uh, if you can get some box jumps in, things like that, um, stuff to make you a little more explosive. Uh, and then, uh, I don't like it, but it's important. Uh, we do, uh, we try to get in, uh, you know, a couple sessions of uh, cardio every week. Uh, we're doing some, uh, treadmill sprints and things like that right now. Um, so try and rather than just go for a jog, I hate going for a jog. It drives me crazy. So, um, we're trying to, uh, trying to do something a little more fun, uh, working out with a partner is great. We challenge each other. So, um, yeah, that's what my, my off-season stuff looks like. Uh, in season, I do lay off the legs a little bit because I'm on the ice a fair amount, but uh, still important to, uh, to keep, at the, uh, keep at the gym. Right. No, I think that's great advice, and uh, I think you kind of touched on it, but nowadays the players are so fast and so strong that, you know, as referees, we can't really get away with not hitting the gym in the summer. It's just not, not an option for us, so... Uh, thank you for sharing, I guess, kind of your your perspective on that. And, you know, switching to your career a little bit, um, I think, you know, when you when you made that transition to the, to work the QMJHL, I think you said you were 20 years old. Right away, does, was it was it something that you fit in pretty comfortably with, or, or did it take a, quite a bit of work to kind of get used to that level of, of hockey? Um, certainly a huge jump from Junior A, um, speed-wise. Uh, so it, it took me, uh, you know, some time to, uh, to adjust to the speed. Um, one thing, fortunately, I, I, have always, uh, felt like I've done well is communication. Um, you know, at the, that level, uh, it's guys that are looking to, uh, to make a career out of hockey. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're just kids and, uh, sometimes people forget that. Um, but they're young men that are, you know, uh, looking to showcase their talents uh, to professional teams to to make a career out of playing hockey. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, if you're able to communicate with them and talk to them, uh, usually they'll respond um, just because they want the game to go as smoothly as you do. So that was something um, that was kind of easy for me uh, off the get go um, that uh, that helped me big time, uh, my level of communication. But uh, certainly the speed of the game, um, you know, as you know, we discussed earlier, skating ability and fitness, uh, I definitely needed to crank those up a little bit uh, to be truly comfortable working major junior uh, on a you know, night in night out basis. And obviously, you've, you've settled in pretty nicely into the league, and you've become, I guess, one of the top linesmen in that league. I mean, you just worked the President's Cup, which, again, for listeners out there, is, is the finals for the QMJHL. 
um, in, in the Canadian Hockey League. So, I mean, can you talk about that experience of getting getting that challenge, getting that opportunity to work that, that final? And, and, you know, maybe even leading up to that, I mean, what kind of goes into making the finals in, in, in a league like that? First thing is you can't take a night off. Um, you know, now in uh, both uh, major junior uh, and professional hockey, uh, there's so many cameras in the rink that, um, you know, maybe it's your third game in three days or whatever, but uh, there's always somebody watching. Every game in the regular season counts. And then as soon as the regular season's done and we start playoffs, uh, you know, we some guys get cut after the regular season. Then we've got a list of guys for playoffs. And it's one game, one round at a time. Uh, you know, uh, a major mistake. Um even if you're sitting at one, uh, you know, number one ranked guy going in, uh, a major mistake can end you pretty quick. So uh, you've really got to be on top of your game. Um, got to stay focused for 60 plus minutes. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, one round, one game at a time. Uh, like you said, I was fortunate enough to make it all the way through. Um, actually, I worked uh, game six of the finals, which was the the last game in the league. So it was pretty cool to be out on the ice when the, uh, when the trophy was presented and, you know, the horn blew and Bathurst won. So in Bathurst. So it was a pretty, pretty neat experience, full house. It was, uh, it was really quite cool. And a couple of questions. I mean, first off, like you talk about making mistakes. I mean, when you get to a stage like that, do you find that pressure of, you know, that, like you were saying that deciding game helps you or is, is that something that you have to sort of prepare for? Does that, does that kind of hone your focus and, Second question is more of a, of, a, of a funny sort of question, I guess. But for those of you that uh, are listening, Matt also was wearing a GoPro, I believe, and a, and a mic for, for those games. I mean, what, how, was, how, was that, uh, how was that sort of uh, dealt with, I guess? How, was, how, did you, how did they approach you for that? Yeah, so uh, the first thing in regards to pressure, um, I still get nervous before every game. Um, it tells me that I still care. So that's a good thing. Uh, I was always told that nerves are good and stress is bad. So uh, to be nervous, totally okay. Uh, truthfully, until my first face-off of the game, until I get the puck in my hand, uh, I'm nervous, however long that is. So hopefully I get one in quick. And uh, as soon as I drop the puck once, the nerves kind of go away and I settle in. I worked the final last year, uh, one game in the final. Uh, and... Um, Certainly, I, I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy the experience, but um, a lot more focused on just not making a mistake. Uh, it was my first final, so I wanted to show that I deserved to be there. Um, so the final last year was, was maybe a little bit less enjoyable than the one this year. Um, I certainly felt more comfortable because I'd been there before. So I was able to take kind of the whole experience in uh, this year a little more. Uh, was a great time. Uh, you know, certainly when you've got two teams left and uh, one of them are fighting to go to the Memorial Cup, uh, you know, there's a level of pressure involved. Uh, you know, the coaches, that's their livelihood. Um, you know, so a, a mistake can affect them. Um, but you just try to, uh, you just try to go out there and, and realize at the end of the day, it's just a game. It's just a game and, and you want to have fun and, and do the best you can. And that's all anybody can really ask for. In regards to your, yeah, your, your GoPro question. So, uh, 
the uh, the league um, social media or PR guy came down, great guy, and he was like, "Who's going to wear this?" Uh, obviously, we all were like, "Not me," and pointed fingers at each other. But I happened to be the rookie on the crew uh, that night, so uh, obviously I had to wear it. And uh, uh, you know, uh, Steve was his name. Steve had told me, Matt, listen. Uh, I'm the only guy that sees this off the bat. It can get edited. So just go out there and be yourself. If there's something that's said or, or whatever that maybe we don't want uh, on social media, we'll cut it out. So anyways, I took it as an opportunity uh, just to go out there and be myself. I'm a chatty guy um, to start with, especially with goaltenders. Uh, being a former goaltender, uh, I try to, uh, try to always encourage them. Uh, let them know they're doing a good job. Um, I've always thought that uh, if you can get the goalie on your side, uh, he can save you a lot of grief uh, going down the road um, in the game. You know, uh, if there's maybe a scrum at the net and the goaltender's telling his D-man to to stop fooling around, well, the goaltender's going to, or the D-man's going to listen to the goaltender. So I always try to keep the goaltenders in my pocket. Um, I get along with almost all of them in the league really well. So, uh, yeah, just try to chat the guys up and then do my thing. So I guess it turned out fairly well. Um, the league was happy with it, and I think uh, some of the people that watched the video enjoyed it. So, yeah, And we'll make sure to post that up in the description of the podcast for the listeners. And uh, i got to ask you a question, though. I mean, you talk about uh, how they they might have had to make some edits. I mean, were, were there some edits that had to be made uh, from that uh, video? Any 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 dirty language in there? Yeah, there was uh, there was one or two. You know, it's an emotional game. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the players get fired up. We get fired up. Um, but there's a mutual respect. That's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, maybe they don't agree with me and maybe I don't agree with them. But at the end of the day, we respect each other and uh, and we move on. So I'm sure there was a few edits, uh, but uh, nothing major. <laughs> No, and I, I think like it's it's a great teaching tool, and I I think certainly to anybody that watches the video, which we'll post, I mean, we'll pick up right away that you do like to communicate, and I think it's it's great for those guys that are out there that need that want to improve their communication skills that they can model it off you. But uh, switching topics a little bit here, um, you know, we talk about these high pressure situations, and you know, we're not perfect as much as we try and do our best out there. I mean. You've seen these high-pressure situations, these big games. If you do make a mistake or if there's, you know, an incident that, you know, that happens that, you know, maybe is not your best moment, how do you deal with something like that as a referee, as a linesman? Is it something you, you laugh off? Do you just kind of, you know, kind of have a quick memory? I mean, what what's sort of the process for you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, when I'm supervising younger officials, um, one of the things that I look for is, uh, if they do make a mistake, um, how do they bounce back? Uh, you know, if, if it's a guy that makes a mistake and it rattles them for the rest of the game and, you know, it's one mistake turns into two, three, four mistakes because he can't get out of his own head, uh, that's going to be tough um, because, you know, like you said, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, it's, uh, you know, how you bounce back from it. Um, been in the league now seven years. Uh, you know, any of the – most of the coaches – uh, know me really well. Uh, you know, the guys that are 19 and 20 know me really well. And, uh, I think, uh, I think they know that I have, uh, an enormous respect for the game 
And I think that it's obvious when I make a mistake, uh, the most disappointed person in the rink is usually me. And uh, I think that shows the players that I care. And uh, usually they're pretty good about it. Um, you know, obviously emotional, they might be upset for a minute, but, um, you know, something that, uh, I learned at a young age as an official is if you make a mistake, uh, own up to it, you know, boys, that was a brutal icing, terrible icing call, apologize. I'm going to be better next time and move on. The players will respect that. Uh, they might not like it, uh, right at the time, but, uh, they'll, uh, They'll respect you a great deal more than if you try to uh, weasel your way out of it, for lack of a better term. Well, I thought that he gave a good effort or, you know, whatever line you want to come up with. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know if you made a mistake or not. Just own up to it and move on. Yeah. No, I think that's that's great advice for listeners that are out there that that might mean you might be new to officiating or you know might not know how to deal with making mistakes because i think sometimes you might picture a referee as kind of being a stubborn person and and not admitting those mistakes but i think that's great advice i mean here you have one of the top linesmen in, in the queue that's that's basically saying you know if you if you do make a mistake really own up to it and you'll gain that respect so i, I appreciate that advice and i wanted to talk about um, face-offs because we've had a lot of questions about face-offs and certainly it's not as easy as dropping a puck and anybody that's watched your your uh, GoPro video will, will know the amount of work that goes into running a face-off and how difficult it is to have a fair face-off you know keeping both centermen in check so I'm wondering Matt if you could talk a little bit about your approach to running a face-off and you know just your advice for referees out there linesmen that are new to this and might be wanting to improve how they run their face-offs. Sure, sure. So uh, to be quite honest with you, face-offs are my favorite part of the game. Uh, that's my office, for lack of a better term. And uh, I've, uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to deal with some really, really good centermen in my career. Uh, Fred Goche comes to mind. Taylor Burke comes to mind. Uh, you know, guys that win 60, 70% of their draws. Um, so the most important thing is to have a routine. Uh, I do my face-offs the first face-off of the game and the last face-off of the game, whether it's in the defensive zone, the neutral zone, or the offensive zone, which would be the defensive zone for one team, um, the same. I, I have a routine. I check my back wingers. I check my front wingers. I talk to my centermen. Uh, and like you said, for anybody that's watched the video, uh, I'm always talking. These guys are hockey players, and they're designed to take advantage whenever they can. That's the game. Um, so if you just stand there with the puck and don't say anything, they're going to take advantage of you as much as they can. If you tell them, boys, here's how this is going to work. You're going to stay outside of those lines. You're going to stay outside of those lines. You two fellas are going to be stopped. Your sticks are going to come down. We're going to pause. And then the puck's coming. If you tell them what you want them to do, 99 times out of a hundred, they'll do it. It's just like being a coach. Uh, you know, you're coaching these guys um, what, what you want uh, in the face-off. Uh, something that I always say is uh, the quarterback plays football and quarterback because he throws the ball. The receiver plays receiver because he catches the ball, and the running back plays running back because he runs the ball. The centerman plays center because he takes face-offs. That's his job. Or else, if he was no good at it, he'd be a winger. So we want to – as best we can, 
We want to keep the quarterback playing quarterback. We don't want the receiver to come in to play quarterback. So we want to tell these guys what we expect of them. Um, and if, you know, if, if they adhere to our expectations, let's give them the puck. Let's make sure it's fair. Let's make sure it's fast to keep the game going. Um, my first face off of the game maybe takes a little bit longer than the other ones because I just want to let the guys know what to expect. Um, I'm fortunate enough, like I said, after seven years and guys that I've been working with for three, four years of their career, they know me, I know them, know how it's going to work tonight. And, uh, it's, uh, I've been, uh, I've been fortunate enough, uh, that, uh, I feel like I've been fairly successful with face-offs and, uh, it's, you know, largely based on communication. Yeah. And I, 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 I you gotta, you gotta come back to that word communication. I think that's, that's really the key word that, that would, we would use as linesmen in, in these situations. I mean, but, you know, in games where, you know, you talk about those first few face-offs of the game, you have that centerman that, you know, that's, that's kind of crossing that line. He's not being too too bad. I mean, how do you deal with, with sort of those borderline aspects? Is it, is it simply communication? Is it cracking down early and booting them from the face-offs? I mean, what's sort of that, that approach early in a game? Should you, should you be overly strict, or, or what's, what's your approach? Uh, I don't think that you want to – I don't think you want to be more strict um, than you would, uh, throughout the game, just because it's early. Um, what I might do is again, not perfect. If a guy gets me on a face-off times me, uh, you know, does the old spin move, wins the face-off clean. Uh, again, I'm disappointed with myself. Um, maybe the next time that he's coming to the draw, I step onto the dot and I get in front of him face to face. Hey, listen, you got me last time. That's the only time you're getting me this game. You, I'm going to be, a little bit harder on you here moving forward until you show me that we're going to do face-offs the right way. So uh, I make sure that if a guy's, you know, on the line, like you said, or, or you know, really just trying his best to win the draw, um, that I, I give him at least one warning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him at least one warning. Uh, if, uh, if he continues to cheat, yeah, then you got to toss him. After you toss him once or twice, either him or his coach – uh, is going to be upset because, again, he's the quarterback. He wants to throw the ball. He's a centerman. He wants to take the face off. He's going to figure out that, all right, I got to stop uh, fooling around here and uh, and play within the rules, and I'll be allowed to take the drop. Yeah. And because you've been in the league in the queue for, for quite some time, I mean, when you first started out, I mean, did you have that same level of success? Was it? Was it that you were still, no. you know, how did that, how did that progress for you? Is it, is it because now you're a veteran that you have, it's easier to communicate or was it, is it just experience? I mean, how was that progression when you started out early on? Was it, was it a, was it a constant battle every game? Yeah. Um, you know, now that I'm, you know, if you want to call me a veteran, I'll take it. <laughs> now that I'm a uh, veteran in the league, the coaches know me, the players know me. Um, it's a lot easier you know, especially if it's a 19 or 20 year old player that I've dealt with for three or four years. Um, I can usually, I can usually talk to those guys. I like to think that uh, we have a respect for each other going both ways. They respect me. I respect them. Uh, you know, I might have a harder time with a 16 year old that's, uh, you know, coming in out of midget doesn't know me. I don't know him. Uh, obviously he, he is pretty good, but usually those kids think they're pretty good. 16 years old playing major junior and, Sometimes they don't listen to you. So 
if I'm having trouble with the younger guy, uh, I'll go to an older guy on the team, maybe the captain or assistant captain. Hey, I don't know who this kid thinks he is, but uh, you better let him know uh, what's going on and that, uh, you know, you know how I operate and I know how you operate. And if you could straighten him out for me, I'd appreciate it. And uh, truthfully, most of the older guys do that. They'll go over to the younger guy and say, hey, listen, this is, uh, you know, a veteran guy. Um, he's not looking to bury you, but he's going to enforce the rules. So, and that's kind of how I deal with that. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, my, my first game in the league, uh, I wasn't out there chatting everybody up as much as I am, uh, you know, in the past. It's, it's, it's something that's earned. It's something that's earned over, uh, over years and, and over time. And, uh, you know, like I said, if, if the coaches and the players see that you've got a love for the game and a respect for the game and, and you're out there night in, night out, um, giving it your best, uh, they'll, uh, they'll give you a, a little more time a day than they would if you're a rookie. And that's just natural. No, I think Matt, that's, that's really, that's great advice for, for, for young linesmen, young referees out there that are listening and might be struggling early on. I think it's a lesson that it takes some time, but you know, you put the work in it, it'll, it'll, it'll come together, but. Uh, and, and, and maybe just a quick tip too, for, uh, you know, maybe an older guy, uh, you know, working uh, midget major, let's say it's, uh, you know, your third or fourth year working the league and you're out with a young kid and he's having a hard time. That's a good time as a veteran guy to, to step up a, uh, you know, talk with your partner. Hey bud, listen, uh, you know, you might be having a tough time right now. We're going to get it straightened around. And then maybe as a veteran guy, go to the coach or, or go to the captain or whatever and just say, hey, listen, I'm out here tonight with a kid that's doing a great job. Uh, he's, he's trying his best. Uh, can you guys give him a little more slack here? Like, I know he's a rookie, but, you know, we're, we're out here as a team and, and, and let's, try to, uh, let's try to make this a little easier for everybody. Right. Um, no, just wrapping up now um, towards the end of the uh, interview here, the podcast, but uh, I just want to thank you first because I know, you know, when we talk about being a professional, I think there's the on-ice element and there's the off-ice element. And I know, Matt, that you've done a really good job of being a really great ambassador for refereeing off the ice as well as on the ice. But, uh, you know, when you talk about guys that are supporting other referees and, and teaching them, I think you're one of the guys that really comes to mind. So I want to thank you for that, first and foremost. And just wrapping up the podcast, I, I would ask you, do you have... I guess, advice out there for aspiring referees or aspiring linesmen that want to progress to these higher levels? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the three things that I talked about earlier that are in your control, skating ability, rule knowledge, fitness, um, really own those because you can control them. We're in a business where, yeah, I want to work the finals every year and, and the final game of whatever, but at the end of the day, somebody's got to assign it to me that's out of my control. I can't, I, I can't dictate that. I can dictate how good my skating ability is, how good my fitness is and how good my rule knowledge is. The other thing, um, you know, that, uh, that I've done is a lot of the times when I'm not working, I'm in the rink, I'm watching, I'm talking to guys, older guys, something that comes to mind is, um, you know, I think most linesmen at a decent level know, when the team's on the penalty kill, you probably don't want to chuck out the centerman. Uh, maybe you're a little more lenient with them. Nowhere in any literature, in a rule book, case book, procedure manual, does it say that. Mm -hmm. 
I learned that because Mo LeBlanc or Christian Boudreaux or Jay on Mike McDonnell, you know, the veteran linesmen here in Moncton that have helped me in my career. Um, they told me that, you know, I chucked the centerman five on four. Now I've got a guy that's a penalty killer taking three face-offs in his life coming in to take a face-off. It's like, Hixie, listen, you really don't want to chuck that guy unless, I mean, if he's swinging his stick or if he's lined up at 90 degrees or whatever, yeah, okay, then you got to get rid of him. But um, it's the gray area of the game. Uh, that's what really separates the men from the boys, mm-hmm. the guys that understand uh, that understand the emotion and the gray area of the game. And honestly, the only way to learn that is to ask questions, uh, be in the rink, and uh, you know, listen to the guys that are trying to help you. No, Matt, thanks again for taking uh, your time to help us out. And I guess uh, best of luck in the upcoming uh, season as well as, uh, I guess, with your training this off season. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you.